0: You know, Shaheen, first you're late, and then you schedule your prostitution whatever's, right? Did he order a pizza? What the fuck are we doing? Where's my pizza? Uh...
1: I feel like we're not a priority right now to Shaheen. Yeah. Yeah. What was that, Shaheen?
2: Dudes. I want some delivers on Sundays. That's awesome.
1: Oh, what'd you get?
2: Uh, I'm not going to tell you. It's too so, private.
1: It's too private. Or, sex toys
0: and or creams.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: Fleshlight. You got a flashlight from Amazon.
0: Fuck uh, now? From there's, Prime Now.
2: They're so much better.
0: We're gonna start this
1: off salty, aren't we? Let's start the podcast off salty, everyone. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the <laughs> welcome to episode eight of Agenda Manicide, where we create agendas to kill men.
0: <laughs> Shaheen isn't laughing.
2: Uh, actually I don't know ep- the history of that. Um, oh, the history,
0: so. Shaheen. The history. The history. Thank you very much,
1: male privilege. Um, this is actually episode eight of May We Geek again. Um, the agenda of Manicide is is a topical thing that's going on right now. It hit huge on social media. Um, Shaheen, you should Google it. It's hilarious. And it's indicative of what the fuck is going on in the political landscape in the U.S. right now. Um, which is just this utter weird sort of LSD dream of, like, crazy... Horrific shit. I don't even know what's going on in this country right now, but it's great. If you don't live he- in the United States, I'm sure you've got some crazy shit going on in your country, but it is absolutely hee-haw funny here in the US, if you're paying attention to any of this political bullshit. Um, I am Jen. Um, I am joined today by my co-host Shaheen and Joe. Hey guys, with energy. Hi.
2: Hey guys. Oh,
1: Joe, you're like so. You're like hi. We we have like we have spent forty four minutes speaking to one another, Joe. Prior yeah. to this moment in time, yeah. And you've been engaging and 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 I, I would I would say like a bit effusive at times. But then we start the podcast. I'm like I'm joined by my co-host Shaheen and Joe. Shaheen's like hey, and you're like uh, hello
0: well okay so like shaheen having like super high energy he's usually the mellow one so like you know i have to take that plus you know i gotta i you know i can't seem too eager you know i've got to keep some like mystery about about me
1: you are intentionally lowering your voice right now to be sexier and i hate you (laughs) (laughs) patty patty in brazil loves it
0: special shout out to uh patty in brazil
1: (laughs) And you're gonna be, and you're gonna be like, so all over yourself once Patty's like, Joe's voice was sexy as usual, and I'm just gonna be like, fucking Joe, god damn it. So listeners, you are in for a horrific podcast today. Oh, it's gonna be awful. It's gonna be horrible, and that that's all about um, um, setting low, like like. Under promising and over delivering. So this is like we're gonna under promise and over deliver today. So if it's even like slightly passable, like it's we, still horrific, but slightly met our goals. passable, we've we've met our goals. So stretch goals. Stretch goals is you puke like thirty minutes in, hitting like hitting our actual goal is like you're probably turning the podcast off now and going to puke. Stretch goals are like thirty minutes in, you're like fuck this shit, go puke. Okay. Why
0: are why are we throwing up? What are we?
1: Because uh, I couldn't come up with anything else. Um. No. So everybody, um, <laughs> let me let me go to the run sheet. Let me do our pimpins. So, um, you can find uh, May We Geek Again on social media. We're at the Twitter <laughs> handle of at Geek Again on on Twitter because I just said Twitter already. We're also on Facebook at um, forward slash May we Geek Again. Um, so give us a follow, tweet at us, ask us questions, abuse us, whatever. Um, you can find me personally, Jen, at uh, my Twitter handle, luquette, and at my blog, um, ClaireShenanigans.com, where I do reviews of The 100 and, and sometimes talk about other TV shows. Um, and believe it or not, Shaheen wants to pimp something. So go ahead, Shaheen.
2: Um, so I don't have Twitter, but if you're interested in my thoughts out. on politics and some other issues uh, you can go to my blog um, it's called free floating perspective wordpress.com or you can find me on Facebook uh, using my name
1: no 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 real names Shaheen I, do um, not-
2: I will decide if I will friend them or not
1: okay I'm I'm just I'm just warning you that I stripped everything out of my my Twitter and my reviews after <laughs> after Jason Rothenberg happened to tweet out one of uh, a couple of my reviews uh, calling them pretty pretty good. <laughs> That's just me. I'm just bragging. I'm just just humble brag right now, um, or just straight up brag brag. Uh, but I was really cautious about anything that would ever impact me professionally. All right, Shaheen, so I'm just I'm just letting you know you want to you might want to strip anything personal out of your blog. Too late. Uh, dox them, everybody. Um, So we <laughs> are we are talking about the end of season two today. We are talking about episodes 13 through 16. There's some pretty fantastic episodes. And let me run through the episode details really quickly for you guys. So episode 13 is Resurrection written by Bruce Miller. Bodyguard of Lies, written by Kim Shumway. And then you have Blood Must Have Blood Part 1, written by Aaron Ginsberg and Wade McIntyre. And, of course, Blood Must Have Blood Part 2, written by series creator Jason Rothenberg. So, guys, <laughs> a lot of shit happened in these episodes. Um, and I think we're really excited to talk about the end of Season 2 because it's it's pretty fan fucking Um, Joe, if if we're talking about, like, Meeting your expectations as to as to how the season ran up up until these four episodes did did season two cap off what you thought was going to happen um, like originally or on the rewatch? Why do we have to get sp- now? Uh, now you're asking me to make a judgment call, and I don't pick one. Joe,
0: fuck it. <laughs> so um, I would say, like the very first time watching it, you you kind of you expect the writers to give the characters a way out. Uh, you yep. know, in that maybe Clark won't have to kill everyone, um, <laughs> but but it is a season finale on the hundred, so Clark is gonna kill everyone. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, like, I think, and then, you know, on sort of the rewatch, uh, I was able to pay more attention to, mm-hmm. to certain characters and certain, like, just much smaller, um, moments. I think that, that you kind of miss on the first watch because, like, everything is so, like, intense and moving forward and you want to know what's going to happen. But at this point, you already know what is going to happen. So you get to kind of focus a little bit more on, on the little details that kind of you really appreciate about the show yeah one one appreciates about the show I can't speak for your appreciation
1: Well thanks I appreciate your appreciation of my appreciation.
0: I don't know where I'm much going appreciated at. I yeah, <laughs> yeah what about you Shaheen? what do you think?
2: Um, I actually I'm having a hard time remembering uh, what I was expecting maybe because I wasn't expecting anything <laughs> um like in terms of how it's gonna turn out I was just uh, kind of... Um, going along with it and just seeing how it unfolds and um, I remember being blown away though like I was pretty happy with how they did it and it was (laughs) because it's really hard to do this I mean and this is I think a a dilemma that they have in terms of repeating this uh, this kind of awesome ending is really hard it's like this was the one variation that worked um because like you said there's either some kind of last minute save yeah six, ex machina kind of thing happening or mm-hmm. there is it or it just a terrible outcome which no one mm. likes to watch but this I think because of the the brilliant build up to it and um because of the tone of the show and, and also because of the specifics of how it turned out um it just worked out really great in uh, for as a as a conclusion that was not a happy one and not a you know uh it didn't look like there was some uh miracle happened but was also very artistically pleasant or aesthetically pleasant so i think that's a tough combination and they Mm -hmm. pulled it off so i was really happy
1: yeah i I can't like like Shahin. I can't remember what my first impression was on my binge watch. Um, I, I think it was probably somewhere along the line of I kind of expected that something horrible would happen because that's the precedent that the show sets up for itself. Um, but but the events leading up to Clark's final decision to to irradiate Level Five, I didn't foresee. I didn't foresee tondy see happening i didn't foresee um i didn't foresee the whole lexa and clark dynamic playing out the way that it did in bodyguard mm-hmm. of lies and then i i did not see the betrayal happening at right. all
2: neither did i i don't think so no the
1: betrayal was definitely like
2: yeah a surprise this, i don't think anyone saw that happening this um, was basically
1: like clark's like worst set of days on earth ever. Like nothing goes her way. Even when everything seems to start to go her way, they finally got the door open. Um it looks like they'll be able to rescue the grounders and and the sky crew in Mount Weather. Shit just shit just goes downhill and rains shit on Clark like you would not believe. And everyone's just like, well, uh I guess we'll come back tomorrow and knock on the front door and see if Mount Weather will talk to us. I mean, it's like the worst, worst couple of days in in Clark's life Um, up until that point. So let's start to talk about some key or major themes uh, touched on in these episodes. Um, Let's start with... I don't know who we want to start with. We could start with me. Should we start with me? Go
2: for
1: it. I'm going to start with me. So guys... um, I was watching TV this week, and I heard a quote on TV. I'm not going to identify the show or the character because I don't want to spoil or any spoil anything for anyone. And I apologize if this does spoil something for for somebody. Um, but I was watching TV, and uh, a character on a TV show murders another character. Um, and after after that character is murdered, and the after you know the aftermath of that, and then dealing with it, this this character says. I always knew there was part of me that wanted to do this to her for what she did, but I figured that when the time came, something would stop me. Um, And the the part of that quote that really uh, rang out to me and kind of connects it to the hundred is that I figured that when the time came, something would stop me. And that of course is in, in relation to Clark. So the show that this comes from, it's unclear if the, if the, the events leading up to the murder were set in motion by the character who commit the murder. And the murder itself was so almost effortless and benign that it, it, it had almost the, the act itself wasn't really violent, but the after effects of, as the viewer, you watching it and going, Oh shit, this actually happened. And then the, the thought was, Oh, I thought, you know, I thought, I wanted revenge, but I thought something would stop me. And throughout throughout season two, I'm like, "There's something that is going to stop Clark from from going to that that uh, that final place that she can't come back from, which is the which is the uh, irradiation of level five and killing 382 people. I think was the total." I think a lot of people died prior to that, to Bellamy and to uh, to Raven and Wick. So, you know, we're, we're being pedantic about, or I'm being pedantic about the deets right now. But um, it's like, what would have stopped Clark? And I think it's, it's hard. It like, I also, when, when hearing that quote and thinking about how Clark develops in the last half of season, season two, I often wonder if if meeting Lexa and getting and like in part in getting some of Lexa's leadership philosophy wasn't one of the worst things that ever happened to Clark. Because Clark seems to be able to do whatever it takes um, at the end of season two. With Tondy C I- with,
0: with killing Dante with irradiating level five. Joe, what, what what are your thoughts? I I mean, like, I think I think it shows like growth towards that. And I'm sure that like her, I think Lexa gave her sort of permission that she had been seeking, but knowing Mm -hmm. that these were like the moves that she had to make. Cause it's not like killing people is like new to Clark at this point. Like she straight up, you know, yeah, killed killed the Grounder Army. Like she, she's a button pusher and and a throat slitter and and a lever lever puller. But but Joe, on like my second part of that
1: thought was, what if Bellamy had never gone into Mount Weather? What if Bellamy had been the angel sitting on Clark's shoulder? Because like Bellamy has made a lot of very bad decisions and have have he's cost people their lives. The the calling from season one being, you know, the thing that stands out most up until this point, it feels like Bellamy could have talked her down from some of these decisions that were made. Um, And then that without his, his weird sort of moral center that seems to exist around her, they like balance each other out, like on their own Clark and Bellamy, are very, very dangerous people. She makes decisions at the macro level that affects a shit ton of people and kills a shit ton of people. He makes decisions at the micro level that, again, kills a shit ton of people and affects a shit ton of people, but he makes decisions based on himself and the welfare of his sister. So uh, it seems like they, like, throw out romantic whatever, throw out all of that kind of discussion around their dynamic their dynamic is as people who need one another and who balance each other out, like their absence from one another really hurts. To me, I think it hurts their decision making. It 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 skews them too far in one direction from one another. And that's what I really love about Bellamy and Clark together is that like as friends, they kind of understand each other. But once they're apart, and you see this a lot in season three, like shit gets so fucked up um, because they don't have that person who can talk them down from these bad decisions. And that and that's why when I when I heard that quote, I figured at the time when the time came something would stop me, I'm also like, well, I figured at the time came someone would stop me. And that never happens for Clark. Even at the end, when she's like, give me a better, give me a better plan, guys. give me a better plan. Um, give me a p- better plan, Bellamy. He can't. He doesn't have the time to come up with anything. So Clark is pushed to that that nth degree that that action she can't come back from.
0: Right, but I don't Thoughts. think that that's necessarily fair to her character. If you're saying, you know, I I thought someone or something would stop me. Um. No one else is offering a better plan. She has a no. plan that will work, and I, so I it's totally like- agree
1: with you. I totally agree with you. But at that point, she's gone so far. Like her game of chicken with Mount Weather, Dante, and Cage has has gone so far that she can't come back from that. But the events prior to that, if if Bellamy had never gone into Mount Weather and he was kind of the powder, the counterpoint to some of Lex's leadership philosophy and some of the the decisions that Lexa pushed on Clark. You know, love is weakness. We have to evacuate Tondisi now. Just you and me. We can't warn anybody. Like, I feel like Clark may have had more options up until that point.
0: I, I don't know, though. Having seen how Bellamy sort of became very black and white in season three, granted mm-hmm. in Clark's absence, but the fact that it was sort of drilled pretty hard home that he kind of will only stop and think about things if it involves octavia yeah um i feel like he would have still i I don't know like i kind of would see bellamy almost on lex's side in this as long as it was mount weather is the enemy Mm. like bellamy is a fire hose and if you point that and like he will go full force through anything that's not his sister and so you know if I feel like Bellamy has bloodlust. I don't think Clark has bloodlust, but I think Clark has the strength to make decisions that Hmm. are awful and terrible. But I think in some, like Bellamy has the stomach for destruction.
1: I I disagree with you. I don't think Bellamy has bloodlust whatsoever. I think he acts from a place of desperation a lot. And that desperation comes at the, at self-preservation or preservation of his sister. I don't think he actively goes out and tries to hurt people. I think he, I, although in season three, you could say that he is acting out of self, um not self-interest, but of self, out of selfishness and out of his own hurt feelings that again, Clark helped set in motion. Like a lot of the damage that, that Bellamy feels in season three is because of the actions that Clark is forced to do. So it's like, Their absence Uh. from one another affects one another greatly moving forward. And, you know, you can disagree with me. You're fired from the podcast, though.
0: Well, that's fair. That's fair.
2: (laughs) That's why I'm quiet, Joe.
1: (laughs) 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 You're fired too, Sean.
2: No, I'm actually thinking very hard to come up with something uh, smart or, or intelligent or good to say. And, no uh, you got
0: you got to be smart last week. It's my week this and time. And
2: I can't because I, I agree with everything that Jen said.
0: Holy shit.
1: What I, time is it? What time is it? It's 4. can't 4.03. Can't 4:03 p.m.
0: Central Standard Time everybody on August 28th. 2016. Up. The banner day. Put this, this in your <laughs> fucking trapper keeper. Um Yeah.
1: I'm going to get a trapper keeper and take it to work
0: just for this, right? And just right. like just gonna floss that shit. You're just gonna meetings. write like hearts. You're gonna write like pl- bilarc hearts, except like with like in <laughs> big parentheses, platonic. Just platonic Balark so, hearts. I, I, platonic bilarc hearts. Sorry guys, who ship
1: them romantically? I I just don't see it. Um, I'm gonna write Brophy like all Duh. over the place, and and that's and that's Bellamy, Roan, and Murphy. I I will romantic that shit. I will platonic that shit. I will do. Like I don't care, and then I'll write myself and Clark, um, platonic and romantic because I'm confused about myself.
0: Um, and then I'll just like also write. Oh, uh, we're, we're getting a weird, pro- a weird product- journey into your sexual appetites today, Jen.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and then I'll write. Oh, product product marketing notes. Um, product launch in a week and a half.
0: I should probably write if a product. That's what you're calling it. Seems like a euphemism to me. All right. So, so that's my
1: thing. Um, Again, I apologize if I've spoiled, I've tried to remain as vague as possible with that quote. And it just happened this week. Um, So apologies for folks who, who might catch on to what it is if they're watching the show um, it came from uh, prior to this. Um, Shaheen, let's get into some of your themes that you, you dig. Pick, pick your favorite one.
2: All right. Uh, let me first clarify when I say I agree with everything that you said. Um, oh
1: my god, he has to clarify everything. He can't, you are a dick, Shaheen. You can't oh my god.
2: I'm not let gonna no, I'm not gonna back, uh you know
1: backtrack backtrack
2: or anything. I'm just gonna say uh, a lot of the stuff that you said could be debated. Like Joe was making good points too, and yeah, I had I wanted to make points wrong, about like she
1: made good points.
2: Um I wanted to say for example that um, A lot of what you're Attributing to characters might just Be situational Like we've seen uh, We've seen this with um, Different characters happening um, When one character gets uh, Carried away and they Want to torture someone or murder them And, and the other one tries to pull them back And then the, the same thing happens Except it's the other way around Right like Clark Com- tries to calm Bellamy or Bellamy tries to calm caught when they seem to be going too far um, or talk them out of it. Um, so, um, it's and but you might say that, you know, there's an overall like I agree that Bellamy um, sometimes acts out of what seems to be revenge and Clark, I haven't really seen that behavior from her so, that might be what Joe is trying to get at. Um, so there might be the, like, obviously they have different characters, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of situational, um, sort of talking each other out of it involved. Um, now the, their general philosophies, uh, uh, affect the general direction of this. And, uh, that's, I think what you're trying to say, Lexa is an influence in a certain direction, um, Mm -hmm. that Bellamy might've been that, uh, that, you know, if it were Bellamy might've been a different direction. Right, uh, yeah, but, exactly. But, that's, what, that, yeah. That,
1: that's what I was trying to say.
2: Yeah, so it's yeah, uh, but there there might be situations where uh, Lexa talks Clark out of doing something. You know, so I don't yeah. remember one out, uh, 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 off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, Lexa, been, Lexa it, in season two would have been, oh. been talking. Talking Clark out of like petting kittens
0: because Lexa's pretty <laughs>
1: hardcore.
0: No, I mean, like, she talked, Clark- I mean, she like called Clark a fucking hypocrite about uh, Carl Emerson Mountweather's security detail. Like, she didn't talk her, but that's the thing. I think that that is kind of the difference in terms of how Lexa and Clark's relationship evolves is that yeah. sort of Lexa definitely takes on like a mentorship role of like, let me ask you questions and have you find the right answer. Yeah, she.
2: I have to say, three, she needs she to does. stop lecturing, though. That what shit did you is say, annoying. Shari? Lexa, Lexa kind of needs to stop lecturing. That shit is annoying.
1: Well, yeah, Lexa <laughs> does take. Lexa does is the topper a lot of times when it comes to um, verbally. We all know who's who's the top. <laughs> in The physical relationship. Oh, I mean, it's
0: and it's an established fact that Lexa Lexa is a bottom. We we all know <laughs> this. We can move on. <laughs> That's. The, what is so funny?
1: how wh- I, I wanted I wanted to say something like pithy and funny, and but I couldn't think of anything. so we'll we'll just move on from there, I suppose. All right, um, so so yeah, um, Shaheen, let's talk yes. about one of your favorite favorite um, uh, key themes.
2: It's actually related to what you're talking about. Um, it's the theme of leadership, and mm. more specifically this this problem of dirty hands that seems to be sort of the major theme of season two. I mean, if you kind of, you could say roughly the theme of season one was war and conflict. I mean, the first half was kind of about survival and then there is war and conflict. And then season two, you kind of have uh, dirty hands. Um, as the major theme, and then I'll explain what that is. Figuratively
0: and literally, it's, yeah. Like, are we talking about Doctor Abby? Yes, <laughs> <like, laughs> literally, Dr. and Abby. Figuratively, dirty ass. Um, yeah,
1: you know, let me g- let me give you staff infection real quick.
2: And then season three was uh, you know most uh, mostly focused on the uh, issue of means and ends and how you know mm-hmm. a, a benign final goal can be achieved through. Uh, questionable means um, So The problem of dirty hands is when you have Basically have two choices um, Or whatever A number of choices and they're all Morally wrong There's no morally right choice to make um, That's probably Oversimplification but that, that's As far as I'm going to say And um, you know this Obviously this comes up This sometimes comes up in real life Of an individual as a citizen, but especially if you're the leader of a group, if you're dealing with uh, bulk, you know, if you're dealing with, a, a, or if you're, you know, if you're a manager of a firm or, you know, these kinds of positions where you you have to um, make decisions that affect a large number of people, you're constantly presented with these these choices um, that seem bad on both sides and so, I I was going to ask you guys before I go more into this, I was going to ask you to um, Joe and Jen, do you, when you watch the show, do you feel like this is um, symbolic for something that we actually currently experience? Uh, you know, on a daily basis on our leadership level, this is sort of a metaphor for it. Or do you feel like this is just a fictional thing that really has nothing to do with our world?
1: No, I think like the, the decisions that, that folks on The 100 have to deal with are the, the decisions that leaders across time have had to deal with. Like, they've always Mm -hmm. had to make tough decisions and make unpopular decisions. That's why Abraham Lincoln basically said, you can please some of the people some of the time, but you can't please all the people all the time. I hope I got that quote right, Mm because I just pulled that shit right out of my ass. Um, But you can't... You're always going to make a decision out of some point of view, um, Mm -hmm. in service to some agenda. And it might be an agenda that is that serves a great deal of people, or it could be a personal agenda. I mean, like mm-hmm. the range is, is huge here, but I think, I think this show um, deals with those leadership um, predicaments mm-hmm. that, that our leaders today deal with. And I think in season three, I, I don't know if it was intentional that Pike uh, was an us or them. Let's, you know, let's kill them all type of, Type of leader, I don't know if it was intentional to um, mirror back at us what is going on currently today in American politics. Bravo if it was intentional because it it is a what's going on right now. If you sit and really think deeply about it, is fucking horrifying. You have <laughs> you have a lot of people saying, "Oh, we we've got really two, two bad people to choose from. Um, not really. Like, I'm not happy with who I have to vote for, but I would rather vote for who I have to vote for because I am not a racist. I don't believe in building walls. I don't believe in xenophobia. I don't believe in the alt-right. So I guess everybody's kind of knowing which way I have to vote. Um, but like... There, are like leaders will speak to certain factions within certain people. And I think like, I don't know if Clark ever thinks about that. I think Lexa thinks about it because she has to like in order to not be killed by her own people. But I don't know if Clark ever thinks about that or if she's just thinking about what is the best thing to do to get sky crew alive from today into tomorrow. Um, so and I, I think, think one of the
2: good things uh, about, or yeah, I think one of the good things about this show is that we can actually, it allows us to understand this uh, kind of situation on a more personal level. And, um, you know, it also kind of, it, it's a very um, strong statement of perspectivalism that um, really if you look at uh, a lot of this stuff is, um, depends on From whose perspective you're looking at it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that should hopefully allow us to um, understand each other better or people who defend different types of policies um, who can try to understand each other better. Um, And, you know, I I think that if you talk to a lot of those people who you're um, so frustrated with, (laughs) <laughs> you will see that um, they how frustrated their own... is a
1: kind word <laughs> uh-huh. Shocking.
2: Um, you see that a lot of them have uh, their own perspective and they have some things to say that you can you know you can disagree with obviously but um, I think that the mo- most important thing is to try to understand what how other people think from their own yeah. perspective um, and not assume that uh, it's coming from, a place of uh, hatred, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there aren't those people. Obviously, there yeah. are some people who are, you know, who are not interested in a, in a sort of shared project of um, organizing a society. They they really do uh, hate a certain group of people and they just want to get rid of them. But you know, I think that the majority of people are actually uh, on on any part of the political spectrum. The majority of people are actually interested in the betterment of the society as a whole and um, they actually share a lot of the same values with each other um, but they um, you know they kind of um, instead of talking to each other they, they sort of um, group themselves into groups of basically isolated groups that don't talk to each yeah. other and that, that allows them to demonize each other. Uh, And I think that one thing that this show does uh, very very well is that you can see people demonizing each other, but you can also see how things are from their, from where they're coming from, where they stand.
1: So Um. I think, I think you have a really good point. And from when you're talking about uh, perspectivalism, I don't know if I'm Mm -hmm. pronouncing that correctly. Mm -hmm. um, You know, this podcast has afforded me the opportunity and kind of put me, challenged me to view the narrative from the perspective of people other than my favorite character, who is obviously Clark. If you've listened to this podcast, mm-hmm. you know I have a, a predisposition towards towards Clark's narrative and her, her point of view. Um so it's it's challenged me to look at it from from Lexis's point of view from Bellamy's point of view from the mountain men's point of view, from mm-hmm. a lot of different perspectives and I think to your to your earlier point Shaheen where where you believe that people just want to work together for the better, betterment of society, I think that is awfully optimistic um and as we say in the okay. south bless bless your heart shaheen um and I don't well, mean that in a mean way. I think I Guess think you what? I lived in
2: the South for about four years, three and a half years. Oh, year, that doesn't count. Three and a half years. That doesn't years. count. Put and, in a decade or And uh, I got to know some of the nicest people uh, that oh. I've ever known. And uh, you would probably classify a lot of those people as in being in the same group that you're condemning here. But
1: well, here's, that's not here's the experience
2: the that I had with them.
1: So here's, here's the deal with that, though, Shaheen. I've lived in the South now for for 22 years, um, in Texas. And, uh, it, there it's, it's strange. Okay. So I grew up in the, in the suburbs of Chicago, moved down to Houston in, uh, 1994. People in the South are so nice. Like in Chicago, you would never say hi to somebody on the street or call mm-hmm. somebody hon or sweetie at a drive through but that happens on the reg here in the South because people are just nicer. Um to strangers for for whatever reason. but there are a lot of deep-seated beliefs uh, regarding race and class sure. um, and um. and gender and sexual orientation that you know on the on the surface, it might not exist. But once you get to know people, the nicest people i mean i the nicest people in the world. Will be will harbor racist thoughts, and that doesn't necessarily well, make them bad to their core, on- it just means that they grew up in an environment that harbored that type of attitude.
2: Uh-huh. It also depends on what you mean by racist, though. I mean, uh, I there might have they might have certain views that, uh, for you would immediately sort of red flag, uh, a, a a hatred the deep seated mm-hmm. hatred but really if you talk to them more so to your point about people smiling at you on the street um i just want to say that my experience goes much deeper than that i went to their homes i talked to them yeah. um i asked them about all these things and uh, i came to realize <sighs> there um not every red flag is you know there are a lot of false positives. In other words, not every red flag is a sign. Oh, of I ha-
1: I, I agree with you. I agree um, with you. So so and personal. There is
2: actually, um, you know, there is a fun set of videos on uh, on YouTube. Uh, I guess you can find them on YouTube. And originally, this was aired on uh, I don't know some TV channel. Um, they're called um, I think they're called What Would You Do? Uh
1: huh.
2: Hold on, I forgot what they're called. Um, I think they're called, what would you do? And it's, sort of, it's basically a hidden camera kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, one of the experiments that they had was, uh, uh is, is, they go to various, um, sort of, um, uh, they go to uh, restaurants and other places and do social experiments. So you can compare like people's reactions. Yeah, in the South and in other places. And they sometimes find very interesting patterns um, that, you know, relates to this the conversation that we're having. Like, they, they set up a situation where two actors are um, being racist towards each other mm-hmm. um, or sexist. Can they do this?
1: They, I think they do this on, like, ABC or something like that. Like,
2: yeah, might be. yeah. And and, and then they, they record people's reactions. Uh-huh. Um, and... Um, yeah, and so one of the things for example they found they went to this really conservative town in Texas and they had a situation where the the waitress uh was being um was being an asshole to a gay couple or a lesbian yeah. couple and um and they recorded people's reactions and they have, they said that 50% of people in that Texan town um stood up for the gay couple um whereas when they did the same experiment in New York It was 10% of people. Now,
1: yeah, that
2: obviously, I mean, I know what you're going to say. It's, you know, and people in New York always think, um, you know, it's not my business. You know, there's just a different urban environment, all of that. But the point being that if 50% of people are willing to stand up, I'm sure that not all of those people, I mean, if you were to do a poll and ask them, are you in favor of homosexual marriage, for example, they might be against Mm -hmm. it, but, um, but they're willing to stand up. They're willing to stand up
1: for people they see in front of them. Right. Mm -hmm. So personal story. Um, I have, I have extended family. I'm not in any way related to, um, and I was visiting with them once and I think it was, uh, yeah, it was new year's Eve and they pop off fireworks on new year's Eve, and. they call, they call, in front of me and in front of uh, somebody of mixed race, they called uh, jumping jacks. If you're familiar with jumping jacks, uh, they're, you light them on fire, and they're green and red, and they spin around. They, you know, they whistle and whatnot on the ground. They called them N-word chasers, okay?
2: Uh-huh.
1: In front of me, in front of a mixed race person who, who is black, and it was just ingrained. It wasn't, it was casual the way it was said it and it, you know, it's just how folks grew up. Um, and it's unfortunate that, that people can still use that word. Uh, white folks can still use that word, um, with one another and feel that it's okay. So I, and I know Joe thinks we're going down a rabbit hole right now, but I think it's very, very topical to what's going on right now in the United States, because um, we have never tackled racism the way we are tackling it, tackling it now with this election when you have somebody who is publicly racist who has publicly racist uh, supporters um and won't denounce <laughs> those racist uh supporters i like if I like even think a racist thought I am I like get so embarrassed and shamed of myself. Um I'm getting I'm getting emotional right now and I don't want to because it's fucking embarrassing. But like I grew up in an America where it was fucking shameful to hate people because of their color or their sexual orientation or whatever. And it's like now it's like, oh, we give um we give a, a microphone to these people, and we encourage them, and we have this false equivalency of like they get five minutes of time, and our person who is progressive and liberal gets five minutes of time, and each view is equally valid. Fuck that shit, right? This has gone down a rabbit hole, hasn't it? I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> I apologize, but I think I mean I think it's an important discussion because, like. Especially with Mount Weather, they obviously view they they like put the grounders in a very separate class of people than um, than sky crew. Um, they call grounders savages, and you know I think the the audience kind of I don't know if the audience is like ever. I think we're encouraged them to view them differently. And I think through Lexa and Indra and Octavia and Kane, we're encouraged them to view them differently, but it's like that weird classism is never really addressed very well. Um, Can we
2: come back to this? Cause I wanted to say something about this, but sure. I want to talk about dirty hands now.
1: Okay. Let's talk. <laughs> it's, it's like 20 minutes into this discussion about dirty hands. So I know let's we, get we into didn't it. really
2: talk about it. So I mean one aspect of this uh, trying to appreciate different perspectives is different perspectives of different people, but there's also this aspect of uh, appreciating the perspectives of people appreciating the perspective of their leaders, right And um, in terms of people appreciating each other's perspective, I think that uh, because this 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 story emphasizes perspectives so much, I I believe the story when uh, Octavia criticizes Clark, for example, for her decisions, or Lincoln Mm -hmm. criticizes Lexa, I believe the story is presenting a genuine viewpoint. We're not supposed to think, oh, I mean, they don't know, they don't understand, they're mad. Um, This was really was a good decision. I think the story wants us to really consider this, that, that there are two different perspectives on this. And, you know, the story doesn't have to take a side. Uh, And even you don't have to take a side. Uh, It's, I think, part of the pleasure of of, um, watching this is that um, it provides this sort of disinterested space for you to um, kind of enjoy the fact that there are these different perspectives and appreciate them. Um, And there's...
1: That's that's weird. Like, i never... (laughs) No, I mean, like, I never, like, when Octavia's, like, berating Clark, I never saw it from that perspective that perhaps she has a valid perspective.
2: Uh-huh. Um, I think I you're just think definitely it's, like, supposed to.
1: How,
2: uh, uh, and I mean, Amy, she does, in my opinion. But anyway, um, uh, the, the other part that I want to touch on it is uh, the problem of dirty hands, which um, relates to the issue of understanding um uh the decisions that our leaders make and that's why i ask you guys if you think that this is um related to our real life and i think joe never um gave us her answer
0: my my wisdom and
1: perspective you guys rabbit hole rabbit hole rabbit hole eject, eject eject so just
2: answer this question and then i'm going to do my spiel on dirty hands so, oh my uh, God! We
0: still haven't gotten to the fucking spiel on no, dirty hands.
2: No, we <laughs> oh my haven't God. even touched on it. Um, so
0: wait, what was what was your question?
2: The question is when you watch when you watch the hundred, do you feel like these uh, que- these dilemmas and these really difficult decisions that the leaders have to make is just as you know a nice fictional story, or do you feel like y- this is exactly the kind of thing that our leaders in fact deal with?
0: Um, I mean, I guess just restricting this to national US politics, um, Mm -hmm. I think it was much more clear cut in season three, I think, um, for, for somewhat obvious reasons, but I I think in this case for, for season two, um, it kind of, it, it kind of felt a bit more nimby, if that makes sense. A little, not in my backyard, Mm -hmm. uh, a little... I'm okay with this, but not if it involves me, or you know, I, I think that's kind of what we saw in terms of um sort of the population of Mount Weather. Once we kind of found out that there was sort of a resistance of people and they kept track of people who had refused um the blood transfusions over so many years. Um, I think yeah, that yeah, that's that was kind an of an interesting little detail that uh yeah. that was revealed. Mm-hmm. So so I think I think showing that as far as the people go, that there might be, uh, that that there was like a somewhat decent contingency of people who not only disagreed with the leadership choices of um, Dante and cage, but that there's probably more people who disagree with what's happening, but Mm -hmm. aren't at the level of disagreement where they will flat out, like refuse this treatment that could save their lives. If that makes sense, like different degrees of, of, Mm-hmm. Dis- disagreeing with with the status quo and I think that that's kind of the more interesting uh sort of decision because this actually gets back to what you were saying about your um about that TV show of are these people willing to stand up in this very immediate sense of wrongdoing that they see mm-hmm. but are they willing to stand up on a national level or in a way that Sort of makes it public to everyone else that that their views are are this thing, and so whether or not it's it's easier or harder to be able to sort of come outside of your own culture and and group of people that you identify with, whether or not you have sort of the bravery to sacrifice either your life in the case of you know some of the uh, people of Mount Weather if they don't take the treatments, or whether or not they're willing to you know sacrifice others' lives. Um, you know, I think I think that that that's kind of where, where I kind of saw the, the parallels happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: And, that, and that's very interesting because, um, I think that's exactly related to this issue that I'm talking about. Uh, I wonder, uh, if the, those people, those, um, revolutionaries who were against using outside the blood or uh, using the bone marrow of these kids, if they were in leadership positions, if they were in Dante's place, um, would they have done any differently? Um, and right. this is something that I often wonder. I mean, and, and this is this is exactly parallel to our world, where you know we criticize um, our presidents or whatever, or our people who are in charge. Um, not that they're not stupid assholes, but um, <laughs> but we criticize them for a lot of decisions that they make. That I wonder uh, if we were in their in their place. Um, If we wouldn't have done the same uh, Or if we would have done any better I mean that's the problem Is that the decision that they have to make Is a dirty hands scenario Is where you have to decide To either use drone bombs On uh, You know some um, Some place that might uh, That might be um, Where there might be innocent people uh, Or you have to Give up the war Right and and, or you have to make a decision do you reduce your international trade ta- uh, tariffs open to trade um that way you know some of your people might be poorer as a result but you'll be saving so many lives in east asia and you know so you 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 basically you have no other tra- you either do it or you don't and either way some people will be hurt and uh so yeah. You basically have to make this 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 decision, and the people will always criticize you. And this is yeah, what happens yeah, to Clark, yeah, yeah. right? The people will it's- always say that Clark did the wrong thing because the situation that she was in was one where there was no good choice. Um, so,
1: so, Shaheen, there's this thing called Monday, uh, Mon- Monday morning quarterbacking mm-hmm. uh, where – Basically a quarterback is like the leader of the football team and Monday morning is is the day after the Sunday game so it's very easy for folks to question decisions that were made
2: mm-hmm. in
1: the heat of the game or the heat of the battle as it were
2: mm-hmm.
1: in in the hundred um, so you can sit back and you have your you have all the information and you can go and retroactively say, well, I would have made this decision or this was a poor decision on your part, sir, mm. when it comes to those type of things. And it's really it's really easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, right? Because you've got yeah. all the information in front of you. You're not actually the quarterback. You're just some schlub sitting on your uh, lazy boy recliner. Um, eating your spray cheese, in my case. How gauche! <laughs> I know uh, how that is very gauche of me. Um, and you're able to criticize folks um, from your perspective because you have no responsibility. You don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders, so you can be like, "Oh." Yeah, uh, Tony Romo shouldn't have made that that pass that resulted in a in a pick six and cost them the game. That was so stupid. Yeah. Well, you're not actually in the line of fire. You don't have to make these split second decisions that affect the outcome of something important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, now, Shaheen, you're you're very right in your take here, and and we've gone balls deep on the subject, and we and we need to move on.
2: Okay, can I just say one more thing? Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's interesting?
0: You're a fucking infomercial, Shaheen. Like, (laughs) but wait, one more thing.
2: I need to wrap this up. I I I haven't really landed the point yet. Um, So,
1: stick the landing, Shaheen.
2: (laughs) um, What's interesting is that the way that it's presented to us, you see, Abby um, ask Abby tells Clark um, to do something for her, and she says, "Can you don't." please not forget that we're the good guys. And uh, she promises her that she will do that. And then at the end of in the finale, she both Abby and Clark admit that basically Clark failed to achieve that. and That that they are not, they aren't good guys anymore. Uh, And then that's when Abby says maybe there are no good guys, the classic line. And um, this is important because it shows that this, maybe there are no good guys. This is not just our hero's expression of, you know, humility and self-doubt. This is Clark and Abby acknowledging that they failed to be the good guys, that that basically they failed to maintain the, the moral uh, superiority that they had uh, to their enemy, that they basically had to become the same as their enemy. Um, and this is a very important realization that goes back to what I was talking about last time about we are the same. It, uh, and, and I think I said that that's the first step to peace. And the, the reason I think I didn't really explain why the reason is that if peace is ultimately a state where us are people, when you say my people, that includes everyone, that includes all humanity on earth. Then uh, in order to, to reach there first, you need to realize that um, we are the same. There is no moral superiority here. No one has the moral high ground. Um,
1: yeah, but th- there's identity politics, though, involved, Shaheen, is that it's very challenging for for people to think above themselves and the people they, they identify with. Yes. That's why you have the white pride folks. That's why you have people who stick in insular cultures, because they understand one another. They grew up in in like environments, and they they have the same sort of beliefs and mores and things like that, where if you think globally, it's so challenging to think beyond yourself, beyond your family, beyond your, your cultural group, beyond your national uh, identity, beyond your ethnic identity. Mm-hmm. It's so hard, and that's why um, – that's why i think the 100 resonates so much is because if you throw away like um if you throw away like uh ethnicity and and gender and sexual identity with the with the ground with the with the 100 it comes down to um these insular groups of people that uh kind of evolve in isolation of one another like Mount Weather never mixes with anybody. The Arkers never mix with anybody. The Grounders, they they have clans, and they have a very tenuous yeah but they kill relationship. each other. Yeah, like, exactly. The clans hate each Joe.
0: other.
1: Yeah, exactly, Joe. Like Tree Crew does not like Asgheta, and vice versa.
0: Like, uh, here's the thing: I think Asgheta doesn't like anyone. I think that that's that's a Asgheta don't give a fuck. They're like Janice Basically. from accounting. If you get that reference.
2: So, many, uh, is, is, is it any different if we divide ourselves along liberal and conservative, Democrat and Republican? Because that sounds like the same to me.
1: Well,
0: it's, uh God, it's so hard because. <sighs> I think that it, it's less about survival in that case. Like, I'm not going to die if I vote democrat or republican yeah, i think yeah, that yeah. i think that that more comes down to like team dynamics um it feels a lot more like this is my team versus your team not that it's an issue of survival no matter how much sort of bombastic well i don't think that social what? identity
2: Jen, is necessarily a matter of survival i mean um yeah not anymore anyway God, we but we don't don't it anymore. still but exists it's still but we're is going like, on full steam Okay, so um, going back to the point that you made about how the mountain men view sky people differently from grounders, and they kind of think that sky people uh, are more human. And this is something that I've been meaning to talk about since we started talking about season two, and I think you have too, Jen. And um, yeah. So yeah, so I mean, I uh, for the longest time I didn't know the episode "Human Trials." Uh, I didn't know why it was called human trials uh, until I noticed that that on on this rewatch, uh, that Dr. Singh says it in a dialogue. She says, the first human trial was a success. And uh, she's referring to Jasper. So that means that up until now, she doesn't think that she's been doing experiments on humans. She thinks- that
1: Wait, Shaheen, I didn't realize that. That fucking Mm -hmm. blows my mind.
2: That fucking blows my mind. They don't believe
0: that grounders are humans.
2: Yes. So, yeah, it's just – it blew my mind too.
0: Is that better or worse? Like, does that make them better that they were willing to do these horrible experiments on quote-unquote people but didn't think that they were people? Or is it like Mm – or would it have been it, better it's, if it's if they had thought that they were people? Like, does that make them worse people if they recognize them if they recognize the grounders as people? Like, and mm-hmm, we're still mm-hmm. willing to do this? Like, is it better in some <laughs> sort of weird moral way? Why are you asking these way?
1: questions, Joe? I can't process these. These are too deep.
2: It, it certainly shifts oh, the deep. moral burden uh, from having a, a wrong uh, moral, having done something wrong, to having a wrong belief. It seems right, but whether that's if, if you were to quantify it, whether that's more wrong or not or less wrong, it's a hard question. But God damn, it seems to such shift. Philosophy
0: the- majors, I swear to God, such a <laughs> cop out. Have-
1: All right, here's the deal, guys. We have gone down the rabbit hole. We have fucked the rabbit. And at this point, we're smoking. Oh a God, cigarette.
0: Jesus, Jen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, so. Like- I seriously never ever considered this though, Shaheen. That human, tri- I mean, Jesus fucking Christ.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they don't yeah. think grounders are humans. It's pretty amazing. It's
0: just, I and, mean, and it, isn't it better it, that they don't? Because otherwise they're like even worse people. I mean, it's fucking It's like up that colonialism people, all but. over again. <laughs> it's like slavery. I mean, it's just, Jesus.
2: This is a is show on the CW,
1: just- folks, <laughs> that yeah. makes us think these things.
2: What's interesting is that it's not just Dr. Singh. Um, If you think about it, a lot of the people who are supposedly on the morally good side um, or are morally sensitive, they adhere to this distinction. I mean, Dante seems to because he thinks that even though he he feels really bad about what they've done so far to the grounders, he um, thinks that this is a next step now. This is much worse. This will take it to the next level. Um, yeah. So she's he's not willing to go there. Um, and if you think about it, Maya, in a way, is the same because uh, she wasn't protesting. She wasn't happy about it, and she opposed she opposed it. But she wasn't protesting bleeding grounders to death well, until yeah, they started the bleeding was. the delinquents. No, but
0: like, but that goes back to your to your point on on the TV show where she hadn't been placed into a situation where she could actually identify with. Mm-hmm um, you know, w- with quote unquote grounders, like, you know, for, or outsiders right. as the, as, as they like to call them. Cause like, it wasn't until she met Jasper and the rest of the delinquents who are teenagers wearing their mm-hmm. clothes, excited to eat cake, you know, like all of these right. things that she identifies with. And they're not, I mean, you could argue that they are a violent people, but they present themselves as quote unquote civilized. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that it, you know, it took a bit of her, uh, you know, she was able to identify with them. Right.
2: She had a real human connection with them. Um, Yeah. So in any case, but what uh, I would say, we would say that she's mistaken, right? We would say that she should treat all humans equally. Um, So this partialism that she has is, is wrong. And and what you're saying that it's not drawn along the lines of necessarily along the lines of sky people versus grounders. It's more like these are people that I hung out with. Versus
1: not well, though, it's identity politics, though, right? It's like people who look like me, who act like me, who think like me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to form a community with those folks. I mean, it's the same thing that's going on in America. what mm-hmm. you know, white people, uh, people of color, I mean, people form insular communities. yeah, and it's only when you step outside those communities and try again, Shaheen, to your point, to look at somebody else's perspective, or to put it very simply, to walk in another person's shoes, that mm-hmm. you start thinking beyond the self, start thinking beyond the community that most resembles the self. Mm-hmm. You start to identify with the other and see that their concerns, the things that they love, the things that they care about, the things that concern them are not so different from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're very I absolutely right agree,
2: Jen. and I yeah. think that um, I would add that the, both sides, uh, uh, both in our real society, in terms of you know political spectrum, and you know in the story, I think both sides can benefit from what you just said, and you know just go hang out with people. That's what I'm trying to say. Just go hang out with them just, and just
1: find somebody who doesn't look like you
2: and go hang and out with talk them. To exactly. them. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: hang out. If with you're them. afraid
2: of um you know lgbt people just go hang out with them if you're afraid of southerners or conservatives go hang out with them you will find out that they're not really that different um anyway to cap it off um what this podcast really... is just
0: going to be your fucking dirty hands monologue like that's that's all that's happening this podcast <laughs> dirty hands Eventually, Eventually,
1: this is like, and this is like the rabbit hole of rab- I, I, I like. I told everybody this was going to be a disaster of a podcast, and it's <laughs> either our best podcast or it's our worst podcast. At this point, I can't determine which, and I blame Joe. That's. I mean, <laughs> Joe. Off air was Poor like, Joe. you know, Jen. You should drink. And when I drink, I'm like, fuck it, I don't care. Let's just go. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna adhere
0: to an agenda or a run sheet. We'll just go. And we Well go. no, so so oh. what I feel like happens what what I feel like happens when you drink is one of us experiences like the full brunt of, of your anger and saltiness. And last <laughs> week, last time it was Shaheen, and today it's 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 my turn. And so we just <laughs> exactly. we take turns.
1: Fuck you, Joe.
0: This is me imposing my heteronormative ways on you
1: blah blah blah. Um, but really guys, we we do have to move on. All right. We
2: my trap in- was going to be that cage Oh my god. <laughs> cage <laughs> my god, is <laughs> Seriously, guys. It's one sentence. Um, cage is the the one pe- person who is actually the impartialist here. He is the one who's saying, "Look, we have been bleeding people to death." For generations, I'm just going to kill 44 people, and that's it. I'm going to stop killing people after this. If if you th- if you just think of it in terms of counting human bodies that that are going to suffer, I'm just going to do 44. But he's going to
1: stop killing. He's going to kill all of Sky Crew to get their bone marrow.
2: Well, and then it's going to stop. No other human beings are going to
0: Oh, gonna oh die. tomorrow I'm going to stop drinking. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> question. Wait, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. So... Let's say that, like, do we know whether or not this bone marrow fix, like, I don't think it's a genetic thing. Like, are they going to be p- able to pass it on? It's supposed to be permanent. Like, I mean, right. Is, but is it permanent asking? to them passing it on to their children?
2: Oh, I see I th- what you're saying.
0: I, you know, I think
1: this may have been discussed on Reddit and I don't think it was permanent. I don't think it was a genetic fix. Right. right so it's, it's kind of a, fucking right. it's stupid. It's like not genetic
2: therapy. Gene yeah, therapy.
1: It's not fucking stupid, oh so so Joe, consider it from the perspective of folks who only live to be a bridge generation. Like, I'm going to be the bridge generation until the next generation that can survive X, Y, Z. It's right, the same but they're going to go out Ark. to the
0: surface. It's like the they- worst
1: existence available, right?: Well,
2: well they're they're gonna, can, like- they can get their own bone marrow and give it to their kids.
1: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, so, guys, we, we have to move
0: on. Because Joe, you totally
2: have- ruined my awesome punchline with this obscure point that... <laughs> no, no,
0: please, please. Was- <laughs> dissect, dissect this fucking joke of a frog. Uh, <laughs> come on. Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move on. No, I need the punchline. Don't tease the punchline.
2: Oh, that was Shame. it. The punchline was, Cage is the impartialist. If you really How? think about it, the one person who's the impartialist here is you Cage. You said
1: this already. But wait, you wait, said wait. this already. That's not a punchline. That's Yeah, not and then Joe funny. did
2: it because she was like, what about their children? And it's like, alright, because my whole point my whole point Joe, ha- Yeah, no, it on all comes down Cage. to me today. My and whole I, point hinged on Cage stopping to kill people and she's like, well, she's, he's not going to stop killing people because he needs bone marrow for the kids. And I'm like, alright, well, that." But putting that this aside. This is like the Twilight
1: Zone of our podcast. Like, I feel like we're like, you know how last podcast we said, if you stare into the abyss, the, ab- the abyss stares back. We are now the abyss that is staring back at ourselves. So we're in the <laughs> upside down, is what you're we telling are, me? We are in the upside down. Spoiler alert for those of you who are not watching Stranger Things. And, and if you're not watching Stranger Things, what is wrong with you? Hey guys, this is Jen. Um, This wraps up part one of our two-part season two conclusion podcast. I would blame myself for not having better control over the timing of this podcast, but I really blame Joe, who of course at three o'clock on a Sunday encouraged me to drink scotch, which just spiraled so out of control that um, we went long and went down some rabbit holes and made us do about three to four hours of recording of this podcast. Uh, So thanks guys for sticking with us and look for part two of our season two wrap up in a couple days. Thank you so much. And may we geek again.